Hello and welcome to Ask Me About K-Pop, the essential guide for recent converts and seasoned fans alike. My name is Shannon. And I'm Angelica. And welcome to a very special, very important deep dive for the K-Pop history. Oh yes, this one, I mean, I feel like maybe we could have started with it if we were going to like be systematic about it but we weren't we were biased about it instead and that's yeah. fine I don't think um, I think that's funny that like deep dives were born <laughs> out of love for shiny like that's the only reason they started but also I think that my research skills are much more improved these days and I think if we had tried to do this a few years ago I might not have gotten as far yeah but yeah, anyway yeah. point is Wait, but also <laughs> this whole podcast was born out of our love of shiny that's, so our love of shiny is quite a powerful thing <laughs> let's not underestimate that's it that's <laughs> very true that's very true um but we've gathered here today because a few days after this podcast airs will be the official 25th anniversary since the debut of the original k-pop boy group h-o-t H-O-T, H-O-T. Um, we've talked about H-O-T plenty of times in mm-hmm. passing and for other reasons on the show because they really are the blueprint. Yes, and they've, they've come up in our um, first-gen mm-hmm. episodes, of course, um, when we've done, like, rewatches from 2000 and 2001. Sometimes they've popped up um, or members of them have popped up. Um, and they are the original group of SM. Mm -hmm. So we have talked about them in many ways. Um, and this deep dive was definitely inevitable. Yeah, it was very (laughs) inevitable, but I saw the anniversary approaching and I was like, let's teach everybody everything there is to know about HOT before the other articles and tribute stages start popping up this week. And you can all be like, I know everything about HOT now. I mean, we love to be timely with these things and when we can actually be ahead of the news (laughs) as opposed to a few days behind it. (laughs) Um, All right. Well, like all deep dives, they start all the same. And I think we've sort of already touched it. We usually say, like, what is your relationship to this group Mm -hmm. before we start? And I think it is just always knowing how important HOT was like that's always I don't remember when I I, no I learned about them super early because Reply 1997 was like Mm -hmm. my first drama and Reply 1997 is about an HOT fangirl in the 90s so like I was thrown right into like they are important don't forget it Yes, and I you recommended Reply 1997 to me immediately. So that was one of the first dramas that I watched as well. So yeah, they've just always been a group that I knew of. Um, I don't think I ever really knew... And no, that's a lie. I was going to say I didn't really know any of their songs, but I definitely had must have come across someone covering Candy at a certain yeah. point. Um, but obviously before this show, like we've done a lot of research for... of They've come up in our research for this show a lot. Yes. So that's... 
the context I have mostly. For sure. All right. So we're going to get into everything HOT. We'll start with some really big picture stuff up top. Then we'll introduce you to the members. And then we'll go chronologically through the last 25 years of everything HOT and the impact that they have made on the K-pop world we know today. Mm -hmm. Yes. So buckle up because we've got a lot to cover. Yeah. Um, So as stated before, HOT debuted on September 7th, 1996 under SM Entertainment. And HOT is stylized H period, O period, T period. It is HOT. The Korean is H-O-T. H-O-T. Which stands for High Five of Teenagers. I know that I must have known that at a certain point, but I had forgotten it yeah. <laughs> until this episode. And oh, it tickles me so much. I just love high five of teen. And the, like the announcers will be like, high five of teenagers. And <laughs> yes. I love it. I love it. <laughs> and HOT's fan color is white. And this is the very first fan color on record. And you're going to hear me say the phrase very first so many times in this episode because HOT really were the first to do so many things. But the HOT fans are very protective of the color white. And so over the last many years, they have gotten into big fights with the fandoms of Rain, 21, Beast, and EXO over their use of the color white. HOT fans are always ready to throw down. <laughs> always. Um, and their fan club name is Club HOT. Like at its base, they are Club HOT. That's what they put on their ponchos. But also they refer to themselves as the White Angels. Ooh. Um, sure, the ponchos. Yeah, because of like, yeah, the, they look mm-hmm. like angels and they're like little ponchos. snow angels. Um, And I also know from, I don't know if this is related and if it was just like a fun buzzword at the time, but in Reply 1997, they mentioned that beeper, like people had beepers. Sure. And if you're a a kid who doesn't know what a beeper (laughs) is, it was just basically this box that would flash numbers and then you would have to call that number. It was just like a way to be like, hey, I want to call you. Yes. But because there was no texting, no voice, like... People would learn codes. You had to call somebody's beeper number on your phone, and it would let them know, hey, call this person. Right. But people also used it. They would send little messages, coded messages, because you could only use numbers. And one of the coded messages was 1004, which in Korean is chonsa, 1004, which is the same word as angel. So, like, that was a thing that people beeper coded, like, love you, angel, but, like, using only numbers. So, I don't know if that was related, but it feels like in the 90s, it was a thing. So, anyway, (laughs) I also learned, and I thought it was adorable, that HOT's greeting when they went on shows is they would say, hello, we are HOT, please help us grow. (laughs) That is cute. I like it. Yeah. Um, So, as I said, we are talking about this today because it is their 25 year anniversary and when the HOT debuted their concept was a dance group composed of five high schoolers that's how simple the concept needed to be but high five of teenagers <laughs> but Lee Suman had done a poll of like high schools all over Korea to ask them what their dream group would be and then he made it I wonder <laughs> I 
would love to know what questions were on that poll. Right? Because we're going to talk about their discography, obviously, but like, did he ask what kind of music they wanted or did he ask like, what do you want them to look like? like? (laughs) What do you want their concept to be like? Because the music is kind of all over the place. Yes. I will say that is the biggest thing about HOT is that it was really hard to try to put them into a musical box because we'll go through their releases. But as I've talked about in the 2000 and 2001 episodes at this time, groups would release an album and then promote songs off of that album for like a full year. Mm-hmm. So when HOT would release three singles off an album, every single one of them would be so different from the other one. They would do like noisy rock hip hop. They would do like absolute bubblegum baby shit and like new metal and techno and a little R&B step touch ballad every once in a while. And it then was... sometimes like super dramatic, like full orchestral ballads. Like we are all over the map. <laughs> all over the map but the most important thing is that the mania that hot created absolutely set the bar for all the elements of modern day k-pop like they were the first group to really create a national frenzy like Mm -hmm. everyone and their grandma knew who hot was because all of the teenagers we're losing it over this group. And it like, it created a mania. Um, there's a quote here. Who's this quote from? I, you this is this from in. one of the, one of the members. Um, Woo Hyuk, I believe his okay. last name is Jung. Yes. Um, and he, this is from an interview when they were um, reflecting on, on their time. He says on weekends, there were easily a thousand to 2000 fans ca- camped outside our place. There was even a time when a fan who was following me in a cab got to my next appointment earlier than I did. <laughs> <laughs> that was both hilarious and also very descriptive to give you an idea of what these guys were living with. And the mania was pretty immediate. Mm -hmm, Absolutely. And HOT's fans, Club HOT, take credit for a lot of things. And I'll just preface right now that a lot of the information that I got about Club HOT and some of these things that seem a little conjectury are from a Korean H.O.T. fan site that has been running since I don't even know how long, but I was taking their words <laughs> and telling them to you. So these things may be exaggerated by fangirls, but I'm telling you, this is what Club H.O.T. claims. Mm-hmm. So they take credit for inventing fan chants. They were the first club to do fan chants. They also were the first fans to start using balloons for their cheering device to create the big sea of white Mm -hmm. yes they also claim to be the inventors of like light up signs which in like informed light sticks that like hot fans used to order leds from japan to build Mm -hmm. their like light up signs and they were the first to do that um hot is hot fans are basically responsible for turning the dream concert into a competition which it was for like a decade where it became like a fan competition to see who could bring out the biggest crowd because they would always like overwhelm all the other fans because with the dream concert we've talked about it a lot but the colors of the stands are incredibly important so you can easily drown out somebody else yes and like we said, HOT fans like to fight. Yes, <laughs> they are hardcore 
we will learn. Um, they were also the first to have large scale birthday parties for the members. And this is not like a modern day cup sleeve event, like let's all meet at the same coffee shop. The fans would rent out stadiums, entire parks, and like tens of thousands of fans would show up for like Tony's birthday That's and all hang out in the park together. Um, here's an interesting one. HOT fans also claim to be the first to write idol fan fiction. And the HOT idol fan fiction was heavily slash. Like for the 90s, I am surprised by that. And the most popular ships were Wuhyuk and Tony, Tonyuk, and Heejun and Kangta, Junta. Um, those were the most popular ships. And actually, one of the fanfics was published as an actual book called Kyogegi, and it was a martial arts themed uh, smutty HOT fan fiction that was actually published. Wow. wow. Uh, um, yeah, they were also the first fan club to reach 100,000 members, and I'll talk about it later, but their fan club also caps at 100,000 members. Like, So it was a fight to be part of the Ooh. official fan club as well. Always fighting. I know. Ready to, ready to go. <laughs> Another really big deal at the time is that HOT was often mentioned on the nine o'clock news, which is the like that's where the actual serious news is. But these fans were creating such ruckuses sleeping on the street or having these huge birthday parties or whatever that it was making the news. So that's why everybody knew about HOT. Um, and then I couldn't find the con like the specific concert. I searched really hard, but at some point, the Ministry of Education had to like make a declaration that strictly forbade people leaving school early on days of HOT concerts. And they also had the Department of Public Transportation like stop the trains from running uh, like overtime so that kids would stop leaving school to go to HOT concerts. Wow. Yeah, mania, like absolute mania they caused. So some stats up top. HOT released five studio albums, three live albums, and promoted 13 singles. Not very much music, considering all things considered. It's a, They were only a group for like five and a half years. Yeah, that's one of the craziest things about them of like their... I don't know. When we're thinking about like, okay, we're celebrating their 25th anniversary, but it's like 25 years since they debuted. They were only together for such a short amount of time. Like when, especially when you consider like the other groups we've done deep dives of. Yeah. Like, like for Boa, we had to do all 20 years of music mm-hmm. releasing. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. This is just like six years of actual music and like 25 years of like drama. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but you know what? We, I actually read in that article where I found that quote about the fans camped outside. Um, he was talking about, you know, the, the like response um, that they received when they first debuted. And the fans, of course, were like very into into them. They were very popular. But um, they, he was talking about, this was Wu Hyuk, I believe, and he was talking about how um, the reporters and the, like, the media were really harsh on HOT when they debuted. And they actually used the term idol as a demeaning, like derogatory term wow. because it is 
I like the Korean word for child and then doll. So there was like baby doll. Mm. So they were trying to like insult them and talk about like demeaningly about HOT. And so they used the word idol. And now that is that is the, the word. word. Yeah, it's like Stan. Like it starts with a super yeah. negative context and everyone's like, I'll just take this. Mm-hmm. Love that. And so it has been reclaimed. Fascinating. Um, but in their short run, HOT managed to win 55 music show trophies. They absolutely dominated the music shows back then. So nice. And they won 48 other major awards like bon songs and like all the end of the year awards like just stacked them up the whole time they were around yeah i mean 55 music show trophies and 48 awards like you could argue that they had less competition (laughs) but also for their amount of years like that's more than some of the other artists we've done deep dives of who have a longer discography but fewer yeah accolades for sure. So they were sure. a big fucking deal. They were a big deal. So let's meet the members. Um, and I was listening to one of their songs from 1997 called Go H.O.T. And it has this little English line uh, that describes the members. And it is, sexy guy is Kangta. Wit guy is Heejun. Mood guy is Tony. Wild guy is Woohyuk. Jaywon is the Makne. Shy shy guy guy. <laughs> <laughs> So that's them in like a one sentence. That's who H.O.T. is. Um, But they do pretty easily follow those personas. Yeah, I think they do. Um, But if we go in order of age, the first member is Moon Hee Jun. He was the leader, the lead dancer, the lead vocal, and a rapper. His birthday is March 14th, 1978, and he was born in Seoul. Uh, He was the second member to join the group. And he also wrote and composed for HOT. Uh, him and Woo Hyuk did a lot of the choreography. Um, speaking of choreography, one of his like signature moves was called the Power Racer, where you like sit on the floor with your legs straight out and then let's bounce on your butt mm-hmm. across the floor, do a little scoot. So he does it in a couple of the stages. Yeah, he's just <laughs> so he was kind of like the funny one. Um, mm-hmm. And to pick him out, he is the shortest by a lot, like absolutely the shortest and he usually had the most hair oh the biggest hair the The wild the ponytails (laughs) volume volume like completely heart shaped face yes Mm -hmm. but his signature look was like a very long bang completely covering one eye like oh he was working so much harder than the other members just to be able to see yes like bless (laughs) Heejun He also usually has the wildest styling yeah. of like the clothes. They put he, they just like put him in weird shit. And they also put him in really dramatic makeup sometimes. And like they wouldn't really put the other member. He always stands out. Yeah, he for sure. Always stands out. Absolutely. Um, so then next in line is Woo Hyuk, uh, the main rapper, main dancer, and a vocal. His birthday is May 8th, 1978, and he is from Daegu. Um, Woo Hyuk was the fourth member to join, and he was cast after winning a dance contest in Seoul. Woo Hyuk was the B-boy member. Like, his whole thing was that he could pop and lock and robot dance, and most of their comebacks included, like, a Woo Hyuk dance solo. Mm-hmm. That was, like, his place. Um, he also, as the main rapper 
took on a a gravelly screaming persona and so a lot of his rap lines are just literally just screamed with all of the rage in your throat you could possibly muster so that's how you can pick him out it's pretty easy yeah he also wears a lot of um sunglasses if Mm. there's if there is a member with glasses of any kind it's probably him yeah I also noticed trying to describe his face that like his mouth is very small. Like it's the same width as his nose. It's like a very little mouth. Hmm. Um, But one of his nicknames that I found was the man who smells like cool water. And I tried really hard to trace this back. But my best hypothesis is that he wore cool water, which was like a cool cologne at the time. And so maybe fans found out about it and bought it to smell like him or something like that. That was the best I could muster as what to what happened there. Um, I also found out that there was a rumor that Woo Hyuk and the Makne Jaewon were actually secretly siblings because they do kind of look alike. They do look alike. And they were the two when I was like going through everything. I realized that they were the only two that I didn't really know their faces. And then when I was like trying to learn them, I was like, well, first of all, it's very difficult to see through the hair and the <laughs> 240 pixels. Second of all, like it, it, they do look very similar, even in pictures. I yeah. was like comparing because they both just have like sort of long faces. Yeah. And Kangta, Heejun and Tony, I think all have very distinct faces and that like, I don't know of other people who look like them. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yes. So. I totally get what you mean. Um, so next in line is Tony. Tony on a lead vocalist and rapper. Tony, Tony, <laughs> Tony, 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 Tony. Tony. <laughs> uh, he was born June 7th, 1978 in Seoul. And Tony's parents got divorced when he was young. And so he went with his dad to Los Angeles and he went to middle school and some of high school here in LA and then got cast by Lee Suman in LA at some kind of LA casting thing. Um, so LA boy was kind of his like nickname and persona. He had a lot of English lines and they are all terrible. We'll talk about yes. it, but the Sminglish of SM starts and ends with HOT. <laughs> like- and I believe we talked about this when we talked about our first, when we yeah. did, when we did our first generation episode that HOT's English was so notoriously bad that like, English teachers in Korea, like HOT was like the bane of English teachers in Korea because of how terrible their lyrics were. Yep. True. And they were spoken by a person who used to live in LA. Yeah. (laughs) And should have known better, but I'm sure he did not have any power to be like, I think these are wrong. Um, But anyway. Yeah. Tony. Foolish of SM (laughs) to not consult him. (laughs) But not unheard wait of. a minute no 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 because we know that some, some of the members uh, wrote these i know so and right? wrote the song so we can't so there's blame no tony, excuse maybe, maybe we can there's blame no tony um but- i feel fine about blaming tony. <laughs> <laughs> um but tony is really easy to pick out because i feel like he has a super distinct feature and that he has very sticky outy ears They're not big, but they stick out very far. So, like, that is very noticeable. He also has, like, big cheekies. And, like, he was absolutely called, like, monkey boy endearingly. But also, on Reply 1997, the dad calls him a monkey, like, angrily. (laughs) 
because he hates because Tony is uh, Unji's character's is favorite. Bias. Yes, mm-hmm. and he makes an appearance on the show as himself. He does. He does. I also felt like he had distinctive um, eyebrows and eyes. I don't know what it was. I'm trying to remember now what it was. I didn't write it down. I don't know if he had like a scar in his eyebrow or something about it. That I felt like that was how I always recognized him on stage. Yeah. But that's Tony. And he has some pretty wild hair. Oh, they in some moments as well. The only ones, I mean, they, no one really escapes no, except but for Kangta. Kangta has one. Like I think he they only got look. to Kangta like one time. But because, mm-hmm. like I said at the beginning, Kangta was the sexy one. I think he had to be the plain, like the quote unquote normalist. Yeah. The posh spice. And he had the posh spice. <laughs> Absolutely, he did. <laughs> um, so speaking of Kangta, he is next in line, and he is the main vocalist, visual, and face of HOT. And his birthday is October 10th, 1979. And he is also a oh my soul God, that's boy. That's my mom's birthday. Wow. <laughs> that makes him a Libra. Great. Um, so Kongta was the first member cast. I assume they built the rest of the group around him because of that. It seemed like it. Um, he was discovered buying tickets at Lottie World. So it was definitely one of those face castings. But lucky for lucky for them, Kongta is a good singer. Mm-hmm. So they made a good I choice. read one story <laughs> that said he and his brother, I think, were singing and dancing in line as they were waiting okay. to get tickets. So maybe they did also hear him sing. Okay, okay. Um, but Kangta originally debuted as a backup dancer with Heejun for a different artist named Yu Young Jin, who is the more who is even more prolific at SM than Kenzie. We'll so have we'll to do it some We'll come back around. But I need I still need to recover from that Kenzie one. But <laughs> they did a little pre-debut backup dancer stint, like many at SM do. Um, and then Kangta, I feel like, is very easy to spot. He has a very prominent chin, mm-hmm. super high cheekbones, just like a thin, chiseled face. Yes, and he always has an angular bob that's shorter in the back and longer in the front. It's usually black, like very dark black until the end of HOT. And then there's like a few moments where he changes hair color, but he I felt like had the most normal hair throughout the most times, you know, yeah, most often. But it's always in his face. Yes. The like very dramatic front pieces to like help accentuate the Mm -hmm. shape of his jaw (laughs) and he's the only member who ever goes like noticeably shirtless in the music videos Mm. yes kongta um keep it in your pants (laughs) kongta you know he can't i know um (laughs) all right lastly we have jaywon the maknae and other rapper of H.O.T. and his birthday is April 5th, 1980. So the rest of them, no, they're 78, 79, 80. So they didn't have like a crazy age range between them. They were all in high school. Um, Jaywon was invited to uh, audition at SM by Heejun, who was like a childhood friend of his. Um, and he was the third member to join. But he also gets literally no lines yeah most songs he has a single line and it's usually towards the end 
And like, he is the most left out, left out member I feel like I've ever seen. Some of the interviews I was watching, he would be standing on the end and they would pan away (laughs) till he was out of the shot. And it was just the other four. And I was like, man, this poor kid. But he's so tall. His like, he's Mm -hmm. the tallest by a lot. Yes. Um, but I don't know. He just was so invisible and small and shy, shy, shy guy, guy, like they said. <laughs> so he just like blended into the background. Yeah. Um, but he has like, he's very tall and has like a long sleepy face. I thought a sleepy face was a good description for him. Cause he has kind of like hooded eyes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but those are the five members of HOT. <laughs> All right. Um, okay, time to get into the timeline. Here Let's do we it. go. So on September 7th, 1996, debut album of H.O.T. titled We Hate All Kinds of Violence. And the single was called Warrior's Descendant, parentheses, Age of Violence. <laughs> H.O.T. had their debut stage for this on a show called Saturday. Saturday is fun. Um, And they did like a little interview where they had to like share their special talent and then like talk to the hosts. And then they did their debut song and they rolled the credits over it. Um, But Mm. that's where they started. Okay. Yeah. I was wondering why, because there was like so much happening on the screen of that stage. Like at first there was like a whole other like picture and picture of like a different, like what looked like a different TV show. (laughs) And then there was so much text, like completely covering their entire face. And I was just like, what's happening here? Yeah. It wasn't like a traditional music show. It was like a Saturday night variety show or something, but that's where they made their official debut with this song which is like a very rap heavy song and the lyrics are specifically against school bullies like violence at mm-hmm. school and the main chorus is like you trampled on my dreams yeah so we've it- definitely <laughs> definitely talked about this show before i mean this song before on our show um it is yeah i mean there uh, i don't know the song is hard to describe like i think most of hot's songs are sometimes in my notes I literally just wrote like I don't know how to describe this (laughs) (laughs) yeah um but this one does have really fun like simple choreography their choreography is always really jumpy yeah and really like whatever (laughs) yeah it has like a lot of like big knees um and their rap in this is super whiny they have a lot of like where they end the whatever the last line or whatever and it like goes like up at the end (laughs) yeah um but the styling for this one was like oversized jackets and pants with visors and ski goggles and everybody's hair had like lots of gel in it and was taught as and was like gelled really tall like mm-hmm. this first comeback it was just like tall hair. Yes. And one of them on one of the stages is wearing like this ridiculous hat that I actually saw on a Star Trek episode the other day. <laughs> and so I like couldn't believe that he was wearing it too. But it had like a it was like a beanie that like went straight up and back and his hair was poking out of yes, the Yes, it's the like Machne. And so his head looks like really <laughs> <Yeah>. tall. <laughs> and he's already the tallest, so like what a choice. 
Um, I think that was the stage where they were wearing overalls with no shirts on underneath. But for the most of them, they zipped up their jackets and only one of them, you could see that he like wasn't wearing a shirt Mm, underneath. Cheeky. Um, But the music video for this song is just like they're in a warehouse or they're in a parking lot and they're dancing and there's like a lot of sepia tone um, and then like black and white shots of crime happening (laughs) in different parts of the city and they're just like getting in the camera and screaming (laughs) this is the message from (laughs) h-o-t um yeah this this song has a very famous tony rap which starts with what goes down beat what goes down do your body ready for the beat again Like, what is do your body ready do for the... Do your body ready for the beat again. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't know. Do do your body do your ready body for ready? the beat again? Um, I don't know, Tony. I don't know. I also found on a Korean website that uh, immediately when this song was released, there was uh, claims of plagiarism saying that the beat was lifted from a Cypress Hill song. But it mm. turned out that the beat was from what was called a sample CD. Now they come in like packs on the internet, but it was like a CD of rap beats and purchasing the CD gave you the legal right to mm. make raps over those beats. So it was basically like a public domain beat or whatever. It was clear they didn't steal it from Cypress Hill. Good. Good for them. Yeah. Um, all right, so next song to be released from We Hate All Kinds of Violence. Um, for trying to find the dates for second and third releases, my uh, method was to look for the earliest possible music show performance I could find and then assume that that is the week that they released that uh, single. So on the week of November 30th, 1996, they released a second single called Candy. Um, as you can hear, this is completely different from the last song that we just listened to in absolutely every way. So wildly different, it like kind of hurts your brain. Um, <laughs> it sounds like children's music. It's, yeah, it's so squeaky. The vocals are, like, just barely staying within where they're supposed to be (laughs) on that chorus. (laughs) Um, But this is definitely, I think, maybe H.O.T.'s most covered song. I would say so. I feel like this is the song that I have seen the most of and definitely knew like, like in your brain of, somehow yeah before diving in and knowing all about them um because there's so many this is it's like a staple like boy groups have to cover candy yeah i think so because i feel like it's very very iconic because the styling choices for it were so deliberate and crazy in that like you said it seems like they're from for children hot mm-hmm. wears fuzzy oversized overalls why are they fuzzy? 
to make them look they, like teddy like, bears. Like, I don't uh, know. For cuddling's sake. One of those stages, it looked like they were supposed to be, like, cartoon cows. Because they're wearing, like, these fuzzy, oversized, polka-dotted yeah. v- overalls with these enormous, oversized, like, Mickey Mouse gloves and these fuzzy bucket hats that have, like, things on them. They have they stuffed really animals in the They like they were the supposed pockets. to be cows. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Totally. Um, but, yeah, this styling was so, like, iconic. It's like, you know, if you wanted to be H.O.T. for Halloween, this, this is, is the you outfit you would wear, you know? Um, but they won their first music trophy for this on December 15th and would go on to win 11 music show trophies for this song. And they promoted it until January of the following year. Wow. Um, I also saw on something that the members claim that this is Tony's song. Um, Tony sings the first chorus, um, and they claim that's when everybody fell in love with him, and Tony became, like, the most popular member overnight, and, like, Candy is Tony's song. Mm. Um, But I like it. I think Candy is fun. (sighs) Not into it. Not into it. Can't do it. Mm -mm. Can't do it. Um, okay, but those were the only songs they released off of We Hate All Kinds of Violence, and that album sold 1.5 million copies by 1998, um, which is a ton for that time. Um, all right. Second album is released July 11th, 1997, and this is called, the album is called Wolf and Sheep. And the first single they promoted is also called Wolf and Sheep. Um, Now, this album was released right in the middle or like days before the IMF crisis, which crashed the Korean economy in 1997. Um, I couldn't find a source other than an article that claimed it so, but supposedly HOT or SM released this album in China as well, and they developed a Chinese fandom that bought the album, and that that is what kept SM from going under during the financial crisis, is that they had developed an international fan base. Interesting. Very um, interesting. But this was such a crazy time for HOT. Kangta says that during this promotion cycle for this album, there was a full week where they didn't sleep anywhere but the car because they were being so constantly ferried between appearances that they never got to just go home and lay in a bed. Wow. So they That's were very terrible. busy. Um, but anyway, Wolf and Sheep is an anti-war song. So this we're back to the political messages for this one. And mm-hmm. I thought it was interesting that the concept for all of the stages was shirtless with suit jacket. Yeah, the music video is uh, just like them performing the songs in different places. It's definitely filmed in L.A. Yeah, they're just there's... trying to act hood in the street and like, yeah, I don't know. And the song has like that recognizable 90s rap beat and the vocals are like really, really muffled on it. Um, but the stages, yeah, are not at all the vibe of the music video and although the music video has one moment where Kangta is like shirtless <laughs> on the beach yeah. like in the in the wind um 
But, uh, oh, the, the stages. Oh, my gosh. No, everyone is shirtless except for one guy. It must have been the maknae. Um, Because he wasn't shirtless underneath his jacket. He was wearing not only a turtleneck, but this crazy <laughs> chainmail collar that <gasps> looked like what you would put on a pet so that it doesn't lick Lick itself. (laughs) I was, I couldn't believe it. I was like, what happened to you? Like, what, how come you didn't get to be shirtless? Not only you, you also had to wear this like thing. (laughs) That's terrible. Ah, that guy. Um, but this song is the first in many H.O.T. songs that would have to be censored because in their trying to make a statement, they would mm. say curse words or do things or, you know, violent things that would have to be bleeped. So for Wolf and Sheep, there's a part where they essentially using vulgar Korean slang, say like, damn those guys, like those guys committing the violence. Sure. So they had to change it for broadcast and they would just sort of go like, huh, at that part instead of say it. But according to that H.O.T. fan site that I dug so deep into, per Club H.O.T., at a performance of this is what started the war between H.O.T. and Sexkis because Sexkis had debuted like a month before this. And like they were immediately H.O.T.'s rivals, right? There's only Mm -hmm. two boy bands, so they must be pitted against each other. And sure. supposedly there were Sexkeys fans in the recording studio, like during the performance, there were some Sexkeys fans in the audience. And so at the part where the curse was supposed to be bleeped, they screamed the curse and then everyone got in trouble from mm. the stage managers. And so that is supposedly what started the bad blood <laughs> between the fandoms. Wow. I love I love that as a spark. Right? That's a good one. Trying to make everybody look bad. Yeah. Um, so on the week of August 10th, 1997, they started promoting a second single from Wolf and Sheep. And once again, it's a complete departure from that song. And this song is called Happiness. <laughs> starts a weird trend of H.O.T. in using classical hymns and public domain music to base their songs off of. Yes, it happens a lot. It happens. They do it a lot. It was a very first gen thing to do. I don't know why, but they weren't the only ones to be using like hymns and classical music to like the two to sample from i guess i don't know it's really strange but the end result is like a techno hymn (laughs) yes (laughs) because it's using the song gloria um but it seems again like weird children's music especially with the rapping that is so growly yes you mentioned wuhyuk had like sort of affected this like rasp to his voice but this is at a whole other level it's like he's doing a bad shaggy impression yeah or like a bismarck or something exactly like yes yes he sounds like a cartoon like And but there's also like, I think it's probably just like a woman singing really like in a like a soft high pitched voice, but she sounds like a baby in the background, <laughs> and it's just, 
what a weird song <laughs> it is a weird song the lyrics are about refusing to stop loving someone who's broken up with you and promising them happiness forever um and the music video has a tennis court concept which would live on in k-pop forever um and the styling True. and the styling is just that they wore like oversized rugby shirts or like a t-shirt with flannel yeah um and we're just doing it seemed like hot liked to occasion to try and go do the do the idol dichotomy thing of look we're like otherworldly weird future guys and also we're just boys who go to your high school mm-hmm. is what i think xo loves to do that kind yes. of shit yes so i think that's what this like back and forth is is to be like look they're yeah. both they're your dream guys yeah there's like the they idol care about persona. social issues and, and they're then mad there's also Mm-hmm. Yeah, the tennis court boys. Yeah, with just the baggiest clothes on earth. The baggiest clothes. I when I was writing down what earth. they were like, when I was <laughs> writing down their outfits, I like the first couple times I kept writing like big pants, and then I was like, no, they're only gonna wear big pants. Don't write it down. Like they the pants are they big will only ever. <laughs> and a lot of layers. Lot so of many layers. layers. Very nineties. Um, but happiness won eleven music show trophies. Wow. Including five weeks in a row on SBS Live Gaio 20, which would be Inky Gaio like in a couple months. But it was still called Live Gaio 20 back then. Um, all right. Next thing on the timeline, so fascinating to me. On September 21st, 1997, was the first inauguration of Club HOT. So they held an actual event at the Olympic Gymnastics Stadium, which holds 14,000 people. And all of these people who had officially joined Club HOT, which at the time you had to mail in an application, be over 14 years old, and the entry fee was 15,000 won, which at the time was like exorbitantly expensive because minimum wage was about 1,000 won. So like to have 15,000 won to spend on a, a... fan club club membership it was prohibitive so like again and they capped it at a hundred thousand members so like mm-hmm. because you know for music shows or concerts like fan club gets priority so everyone right. can't be in the fan club it's gotta be like exclusive right so anyway i found this old news report of somebody who was covering the first uh, hot inauguration and they showed this parking lot just absolutely filled with teenagers who were in orderly lines in the parking lot with a sign in front of them based on like what city they had come from because the fan club had chapters it was very Mm, organized very organized um and then there's a little interview with hot in the news report and they're like talking about like how do you feel about club hot or what do you think club hot stands for um, and Woo Hyuk says, like, it should be, it should stand for hope of teenager or heaven of teenager. And then Tony says, we should just call them angels because they're our hope mm. and our heaven. So I Sure, think- and they wear white ponchos. So there you go. White angels. Yeah. And um, the footage from this first fan meet, Shin Dong Hyup, who you still know from TV, was the host. Um, they played little games. The fan club presidents gave a speech. They showed a video to HOT that they had made for them. And then the boys did like two songs. It was like very much a modern fan meet, but on an absolutely mm-hmm. massive scale. And it was their wow. first one. Yeah. So I just thought that was really fascinating. 
Yeah, I mean, it's just another good example of how HOT is setting the blueprint for a lot of the fan interactions and, like, for what the relationship is between the fan and the idols today, right? Yeah. And I think even the fan club stuff, like, I'm pretty sure that most fan clubs have a cap because I remember fairly recently they opened up Shiny's fan club for like a few hours or something and they were only letting like a couple people or whatever like a certain amount of people in right um so yeah I mean this model is still still in place today it's still used um and I didn't write down any of the others but just for reference they did one of these fan club meets every year for as Mm. long as they existed they would inaugurate the new members and have a little little show cute But the first one is the one that matters. The first one is the one that matters. All right. So after the fan meet, the week of November 10th, they release a third single from Wolf and Sheep. And this song is called We Are the Future. And I'm not playing it right now because we got HOT in the random game in episode six. That's how long ago we did it. But we watched (laughs) Candy already. So... I decided that I think We Are the Future is probably the next most, like, quote-unquote important H.O.T. song. So we'll watch that music video at the end. But this is, once again, another, like, social movement kind of song. And the Mm -hmm. premise is, like, the future is ours. I wonder what kind of people we'll be when we're adults. Like, can we make a better future? We're the kids. (laughs) Like, that kind of stuff. Yeah. Yeah, and there's a lot of, um, we're getting into, like, the sort of noisier, we're back into the noisier spectrum of things um, after happiness, and this has, like, there's, like, lasers and glass breaking, like, in the track. Right. Um, But, yeah, we'll talk more about it for the random game. I do have some things to say about the stage, Luke's, before, like, because we do have to watch the music video. But I noticed something happening with these stages where it felt like the experimental art part of HOT was maybe starting to creep in because yes, their ha- this is when the hair officially gets really big. Like the crimpers and the teasing combs are out in full force. Everyone's hair is very big. But they also wore – the outfits were all over the place. There's like a silk – pajamas stage Mm -hmm. there's a full like cowboy leather trench duster stage and at the Gallo that year they wore what I could only describe as Victorian doll frocks they're like (laughs) black straight a-line dresses with like big buttons that go all the way up and then a little white collar like a doll that Wednesday Adams would carry that's what they wore at Gallo that year to perform this song and I was like what wild that is so odd (laughs) i noted that this was the first time that i was that they were wearing heavy makeup Mm. um so they are definitely getting into like the more experimental the hair in wolf and sheep is also pretty high uh it is like reaching for the stars and the highlights in uh the highlights in that one are so i think it's tony i I was gonna say is that when tony has just four Yes, like just four, four of chunks them, and it looked blonde. like fa- it looked like a toupee, like with the hairline. It was so odd, but yeah, the hair here is really big. Um, in We Are the Future, it is also quite large. I think this is the one where is this the one where Heejin has like the reddish hair that is literally like out to here. 
Let me check. And it just has this like, oh, it's like a Alice in Wonderland, Queen of Hearts kind of kind of shape. No, uh, in this stage, everybody's hair is like a shade of brown. This might not be the red one yet. Okay, this might not be the one I'm thinking of. But Heejun's but- hair is like in a perfect heart. It's like so teased up in the back and then it comes around. Like, in yes. this fan. Yeah, yeah. And you can't see his eyes. Like, just- no, he he's <laughs> the hardest working member of HOT. I this is what I my conclusion was like, I don't I haven't gotten to that part of my notes yet, but I started to write it because his hair just gets bigger and bigger. His <laughs> costumes get more and more elaborate. He sings the most aside from Kangta. Like he's doing the most. Absolutely. <laughs> he's doing the most. Um, But. We are the future one. Seven music show trophies. Yeah. The choreo to this is cool, though. They have they love a slidey slow-mo. Oh, like, sure. Either they love a, sl- a slow motion lean. Mm. A lot of big knees. <laughs> and this one has a really cool ending floor move. I had to give it to them I because they did this like crazy thing. And all of a sudden they like end up sliding, like laying on the floor, like seductively. And I was like, oh, that was cool. Look at you guys. <laughs> Way to go, HOT. <laughs> Look at you dancing. Um, all right. So then that brings us to January 23rd through 25th of 1998, which is when HOT held their first concert and they were the first korean artists to hold a concert at the olympic gymnastics stadium like only people like michael jackson and the new Mm -hmm. kids like that was a stadium they saved for foreign acts (laughs) well hot was big enough yeah that's so interesting because i wonder if that means that hot was really the first national group like the first group Korean group that had that national popularity, like other Korean artists before them weren't popular enough to sell out this, a concert at the stadium. Yeah. Fascinating. Um, But they held also held two more concerts on the 30th in Busan as well. So the fans in the South could see them as well. Um, And then this next part, I had to dig so hard to confirm that this happened because it was completely unsourced on every Wikipedia. And I was like, I'm not going to let this go. Like, someone wrote this in here. It must have happened. And it did. Because from February 21st to March 31st of 1998, HOT did a USA tour. They did shows in New York, Washington, LA, and Hawaii. Wow. And I found a video from their concert at the Shrine Auditorium, which is where Shiny played last time they were here. So, mm. like, full circles. I love it. Um, but the video that I found made it seem like the Shrine was full, and it holds 6,000 oh. people. Wow. Um, but basically, like, the reason that I feel like it was probably so hard to find information about this is that, like, they would have only advertised on the Korean radio or put ads in the Korean newspapers. Mm. Like no English language outlet would have written about it. Like, because foreign artists visit foreign artists visit to play to a small community all the time. Like, is that news? Yeah, probably not, but it is news looking back at it. Like a fervor. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. But looking back at it, I think it's really neat that like there were enough Korean fans in the U S who were, because the internet existed, 
we're plugged in enough back yeah. home to be HOT fans for them to justify putting on shows here. Yeah, that is really cool. And that they were able to have, um, yeah, like shows for their community. That's so interesting. And the other cool thing about this and the way I knew that it was absolutely real because I did find a source for this is that HOT don't or SM, I'm sure HOT would have wanted to keep the money. SM donated all of the profits from this USA tour, which was about 40,000 US dollars to the National Unemployment Fund, because like I said, there had been a terrible financial crisis the year before. So they like, you know, contributed to their country. Like we went on tour and we're giving the money back. And so they got invited to the Blue House for a special luncheon and they were like honored for helping. I bet that that's the first instance of K-pop idols getting involved in the political scene and like doing some, I'm going to wait, I need to write Write this down. I have a, another document in the works. I should have, it would have been easier if I had a pen. Um, We'll come back to that. We'll come back to that because yes, I want to know more about politics and k-pop but there you go there's an intersection we'll get to it someday there sure is okay september 24th 1998 hot released their third album which is called resurrection and the first single they released is called line up like a little more dancey groovy but it is the most frankenstein-y frankenstein song i've heard in a while oh man yeah there's just it's like loud it has like heavier rock influences than some of their other songs there is just so much screaming so much but there is one nice vocal moment. Yeah. In. Just one. But it's there. But it's there. Um, this song was accused of plagiarizing Rage Against the Machines, Killing in the Name. And I couldn't, I searched everything I could possibly find for, for an example of this. But a Korean article claimed that the lead singer of Rage Against the Machine made a big stink about this on stage. And, like, Hmm. made fun of H.O.T. for a while, probably in a shitty way, Hmm. to be like, this sucky Asian boy band is staking my music or whatever. Couldn't find the quotes. I don't want to put, but uh, apparently H.O.T. was made fun of by Rage Against the Machine. Hmm. Well, this song also has chopsticks as its introduction. <laughs> so, you know, perhaps we have many things to rage against. Absolutely. Um, but the stage outfits for this one were like weird leather suits and gloves. And mm-hmm. Woo Hyuk has like Trixie Mattel mushroom bangs. And they like made me sad. Uh, everybody's hair is doing a lot of inexplicable things. In particular, Tony's hair should win a special award in this stage because his hair is defying the laws of physics in my (laughs) eyes. He has, like, I don't understand how... It's got to be a wig. Like, I don't understand how it can be real because he has, like, the pieces that come down in the front 
And then he has like these oh, other this, pieces the bouffant. that create yes he he has the he has a a headband made of hair right behind and going behind his ears and behind the front pieces but then everything that goes back is a almost a perfect sphere yeah the shape of it is incredible <laughs> but b it's combed back in a way where it's like it doesn't go, it goes like perfectly to the side. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like the way that it is combed back and shaped into that literal helmet is magical. Yeah. <laughs> also, Heejin, everybody else gets regular gloves and he has boxing hockey. gloves. Are they yet hockey, again, goal, hockey goalie or whatever. gloves? They're giant. Whatever They're they enormous. <laughs> Once again... Working the hardest. Sure. <laughs> Doing the most. Doing the most. Putting up with the most shit. <laughs> um, lineup won five music show trophies. And just a note about the album Resurrection. This album includes at least one song that was fully written by each member. Kangta has three songs. I think Heejun has two. But the others have at least one composed lyrics. Like they wrote them all by themselves good for them so then the next song that they released from resurrection around november 10th of 98 is called hope song while composed entirely by Kangta is owed to joy at its core again again with the weird <laughs> classical samplings yes but the lyrics are lovely and hopeful and this is kind of like a similar vibe of their rage against the society but like in a nicer way like can't we all just build a peaceful future is kind of the point of this one and the music video is about Dying children, political scandal, and saying your Catholic prayers. Oh my gosh. So much death. So much blood. So much Catholicism. (laughs) Wow. Also, the hair is all about the angles Mm. now. We are cutting (laughs) sharp lines. (laughs) Um, And yeah, this song, I I literally, this is where I wrote, I don't know how to describe this. Because I was like, it's pleasant, but it's also shouty. And then I was like, no, it's more like chant, chanty. Mm. Like a lot of the verses are just like, ba-da-ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Ba, 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 ba. You know what yeah. I mean? Like we're chanting around. Sure. Um, but yeah, very, very dramatic music video. So much peroxide on these stages. Yeah, um, they all have their very yellow, yellow, yellow hair. But the root lifter, what was the root lifter people were using? Like their hair is not know. touching their like skin. I don't know how they did that. All. I don't know how they did it. I really, it's crazy. Tony has, like, blonde hair that's in, like, 10,000 tiny ponytails, like a beautiful waterfall. (laughs) Yes. And you know what I noticed? Heejun's hair is like that as well, but it's done in a different way so that the top part looks like just, like, it's smooth and the little ponytails are underneath Underneath, to give the volume. (laughs) It was, like, like layers of petticoats underneath a large skirt. Wow. 
really yeah. really really wild and this is we didn't mention it in the first one because i didn't write it down so i didn't think of it but there is another song that we've already talked about where it ends with them doing like a can can in a line yes and this song ends with them holding hands in a line and doing this weird a little like, heel kicky, kick little heel kicky kicky line thing. dance I love while it. they hold hands at the front of the stage um this song won 10 music show trophies um, and if you are an SM stan like myself and Angelica, you might recognize this song as the song that all SM Town concerts are ended with. Yes. It's stuck this is around. when everybody comes out on the stage and they all sing it together in their new pink SM Town shirts <laughs> yep. that they've all cut and tied in different ways. It's the best. And the confetti falls. <laughs> I love it. Um, okay, so December 31st, 1998 is the date of famed HOT sex use fan brawl in the parking lot of NBC Gallo de Jejon. Um, supposedly, the fight was started when HOT fans removed sex use fans' banners that they did not believe should be in that space. They thought that was their space. And then people waited for the show to end, and then they fucking fought in the parking lot with their fists. <laughs> yes, they, like, actually <laughs> fought in the parking lot with their fists. I read um, a couple different, like, interviews with H.O.T. and such keys members since then. Um, and because, like, someone was like, well, why didn't you, like, do anything to stop it? And one of the H.O.T. members was like, what was I supposed to do? I was busy running for my own safety. <laughs> and then one of the Sechkis guys was like, this girl came up to me and said, Opa, I got five of them. And she had a bloody nose. And I said, good job. I'm <laughs> proud of you. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> But uh, I was wondering if you knew, um, because this was in mentioned in the same article, but I couldn't find the right timing. I was wondering if you knew what songs they had been like promoting at the time, um, because I know that Sechkis was... Um, they were promoting a song called Couple, like right before this Gaio. And I don't know if they won something for it this year. No, it must have been. It must have been. But I'm pretty sure Sechkis had been promoting the song Couple. And at a certain music show, they actually beat out H.O.T. Mm. with that song. And that song was composed by Kangta. And ah. so he had mentioned it as a... Cause the reason I bring it up is because I read about him talking... Like, they were talking about the rivalry and the fans. And he was like, yeah, I remember when they beat us with Couple. I felt so guilty because I wrote that song. <laughs> and so it was like I had <laughs> double crossed us and like stabbed us in the back um but yeah that must be pretty wild to have lost to his own song. yeah he got the um, money though so like true i'm sure it he's was laughing just a in slight, the end yeah he's laughing in the is. End. Yeah. i think that's the moral of all these <laughs> stories Kanta's always laughing, laughing the <laughs> at the end um all right so then january 22nd through february 1st of 1999 was hot the second concert um, the January dates for this were all at the Sejong Center for Performing Arts. So the fans often call this Sejong Khan, like the, to remember those concerts. Um, but the Sejong Center only has 
3,400 seats. So tickets sold extremely fast, so they just scheduled more shows, which basically meant that they did 12 shows in Seoul total. They were doing two a day for like four or five days in a row. Whoa. Which is like more than Broadway people. Do. I was like, literally just going to say that's to harder than Broadway. Yeah. Um, and if so, this concert tour, if everybody, you know, only went once, which I'm sure is not the case, possibly 44,000 people could have gone to this concert. But I assume there were people who were at every single date mm-hmm. throwing that number sure. off. 44,000 tickets were sold. Yes. Um, And then in February, they did dates in Busan and Guangzhou, and those were held at much bigger stadiums so that 10,000 people could attend those, and they didn't have to perform constantly for days. Man, they were really overworked. Like, that is so... The the story about them not ever, like, sleeping in a bed for a whole week is freaking horrible. But then this too, like two shows a day. I mean, I don't know how long their concerts were, but a concert's like two hours. Like, that's tough. Yeah, it is. That's tough. Um, But on April 12th, 1999, their first live album was released called The Greatest Hits, a song collection live album. And it had 18 songs from the concert I just mentioned. And it sold 175,000 copies. Um, then in June of 1999, HOT was invited to perform at a benefit concert that Michael Jackson held in South Korea. And he like invited other influential people to like do a song at his concert. So like that was a very big deal for them. And then in September of 1999, HOT won an MTV VMA International Viewer's Choice Award. Wow. So they were getting recognized. Um, September 15th, 1999, they released their fourth album, and it is called Ia. And that's what the first single is called, too. This song has a tragic backstory. Um, a few months before this, in June of 1999, the Sealand Youth Training Center in Korea caught fire and 23 elementary school aged children died. Uh, the fire was caused by using cheap, flammable materials, and the people involved in the building got jail time for manslaughter and bribery. And it's very similar to the Sewol Ferry disaster, like, the, like mm-hmm. in that loop of the way that things repeat. It was just like utter like incompetence and bribery left children that dead, led to which utter tragedy. Yeah, and so HOT wrote this angry song that is supposed to be like an attack against any adult. Like the whole theme of the album was against adults who had ever harmed children, hmm. and this album had eleven spoken word tracks on it of like angry monologues, poetry. All kinds of stuff. Like, yeah, it was like their slam like, album. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, like, after every song, it says, talk, colon, and then, like, a little title for whatever that speech is going to be. Um, but this song got, a lot of the English lines got bleeped very aggressively on the music shows. Like, they would just put the bleep over it, um, which just makes it all sound worse. But it the, does. 
but the main lines that were blocked were like turn this is all in english turn your neighborhood block into a battlefield was bleeped um a camouflage cipher from the rooftop i might snipe ya was bleeped and then another part they say i got about the p down just the capital letter p that's what's written in the lyrics I don't know I what got that means. About the P down. I got about the P down. I got about the P down. But that's what they. I don't know, I don't know what it could possibly mean. But they bleeped it anyway. Probably going. Maybe they were like, anything. I don't know what this means. Let's take it out. I'm sure <laughs> it's bad though. Um, but this album sold 1.3 million copies and went to number two on the album chart. Um, and this song won three music show trophies. Um, but to move on to the fashion, which is very important, I think the biggest thing to point out is that Heejun, once again working hard, wore Wolverine claws for the stages of Ia. He also wears them in the music video, too. And he wears, like, he's on the stages. He's the only one that will be in silver when, like, the rest of them are in black. Yeah. Because for the rest of the, like, in the music video, the look is, like, vampire warlocks. And they wear, like, high-necked, black, and long, long, Mm -hmm. dramatic things. And at a certain point, Kangta has his shirt off. And then in the stages, they're all wearing their, like, dramatic black. And then Heejun is wearing, like, a reflective silver suit that has, like, it's like a long tunic that goes past Mm -hmm. his knees. And he has, like, this extra piece on it that kind of looks like it's going to fall off. And then these enormous claws. And, oh, the ponytail. Oh, yeah. The ponytail on Heejun is thick. Mm-hmm. Like as thick as his arm around and right on the top of his head, uh-huh. like a palm tree, but and long. It, and the fan, the way that it oh, manages the way it to fans. fan. I just, the things they did to that guy's head. Yeah, I don't know. I just don't know. Um, but he rocked it. He rocked it hard, whatever it was. He did. He did. Tony has really wild Dragon Ball Z hair in these (laughs) stages. Um, I thought a really weird piece of the music video, like they did so many dramatic close-ups where the boys had very obvious like foundation over their lips so that they Mm. had like no lip color at all. Weird look. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And mm, yeah, totally, totally. Yeah. Um, and so the song itself is like dramatic and it has a lot of heavy guitar and it's very shouty rap. And yeah. Very angry. And we're back to shouting. At the world. We're very angry at the unfairness and the violence. Um, okay. So then September 18th, 1999, HOT had a concert at Olympic Stadium. And once again, they were the first Korean artists to perform at the Olympic Stadium, which holds 72,000 people. Wow. 40,000 attended the HOT concert. I'm sure they left the nosebleeds out of out of the equation. But for the time, this is truly unheard of. 40,000 people all at once to see HOT. Wow. Um, after the concert, they released another single from EA, and this one is called Get It Up. I G I T. Get it up. Get. Get it up. 
Uh, this music video stars the Grim Reaper and a baby. Oh, it's so scary, this music video. Um, but this one also, again, in the music show stages, really weird bleeps. Here's another weird line yeah. that is bleeped. You are, like you are, you are tea, dripping all the pee. There's no guarantee. What is tea and what is pee? <laughs> What does it mean? I mean, I don't think it means tits and pussy. Right? I don't but either. these are the only things that would really make sense. You are tea dripping all the pee. There's no guarantee. Dripping all the pee. All the pesos. I, yeah, um, I don't know. You are tea. Yeah, I don't know. Um, the fashion of this one was striking um, the, my most striking moment is that Tony has waist length blonde extensions and the top half of his head is in full micro braids and mm-hmm. he has the big bang. Like there's so much hair on his head. And the braids that are on like the crown of his head have been twisted into like Medusa like snakes going back into this ponytail, which then has his like waist length braids. Um, yeah, that was such a look. I think it's Woo Hyuk that has um, Vulcan eyebrows in yes. this. Like they have shaved the bottoms of his eyebrows. Um, Heejun has almost a full beat on his face, except for the mouth. He has like <laughs> smoky eyes. Oh, yes. And I swear to God, he's also wearing acrylic nails. Oh, yes. He started um, doing the nail. He was definitely a like boy who wore He was nails. a boy who did his nails, right? Because they are long in this music video and they are definitely painted. Um, yeah, this song is weird. It has like that nineties rap beat, but then like a very like spooky electro strings Mm -hmm. and the music video is very scary. That grim reaper and the baby, he like drops the baby in the middle of like a war zone. Like, yeah, we don't like war. Okay. We do. War we really is bad. Don't. That is the recurring. That's theme what I wrote for my notes of this. War is bad. <laughs> war is bad. But weirdly, even though war is bad, the stage looks for this were camo pants. They wore mm. camo to give military yeah. vibes, I guess. Is this the one where, because I know Tony still is the braids. Uh, is this the one where he's also wearing like, one of them is wearing like full like motorcycle like elbow pads and shoulder pads and like a back pad like you know the thing that motorcyclists <laughs> yeah, like will wear to, in case they fall off um i have a stage playing way, but... right now and they don't seem to be wearing weird too weird of things okay also in this stage of this get up that i put on the playlist he just has like blonde kate goslin hair and it's like not even weird it's just like straight and it's not even piled at all it's just like regular needed a break so he got a break yeah we all need a break every once in a while um all right so then the week of christmas 1999 they released a third single from ia and it is called juan he parentheses it's been raining since you left me (laughs) 
Um, and this song has like a weird whistle in it and Spanish guitars and is just like a diff, a totally different vibe. But it's not really Spanish guitars. It's like that Baroque harpsichord. Like mm. the, it sounds so much like old, like Bach or yeah, like, yeah, yeah, because yeah, yeah. this one too, like I know the stage was Christmassy and it, they released it in December. So when it first started, I was like, is this another one of these like hymns? Mm. And I was like, what is this? Like, is this the Nutcracker? Is it a Christmas carol? Like, I got to know what it is. And all I could come up with is that like, it was just like, the strong harpsichord in it and I was like okay maybe this is just making me think of Handel and Mm. I'm not it's not actually something but uh but yeah it was again with that weird little like yeah public domain sampling in the background um but definitely the best song so far yeah sounded great on this live he Um, wrote this one so pleasant well there you go he gave himself the best parts that was my only note for this is this is the calmest and most pleasant song of this era like agreed agreed um here's a note i have for 1999 i couldn't find when this happened but just another um saucing story for your scary fan list um at some point in 1999 baby baby vox member kan mion got caught up in dating rumors with hee and a hot fan sent her a letter written in blood with a razor blade inside that said i'm going to kill you and po- and supposedly hot fans also crashed a baby vox fan sign and like protested and made a whole loud stink and had to be thrown out so wow yeah. they're always ready to fight <laughs> always ready to fight um so poor ba- baby vox had to feel their wrath yikes um january 6th 2000 they release another live album called 99 live in seoul and this was a two disc set that was recorded at the olympic stadium concert and it sold 110,000 copies and went to number four on the album chart um and then in february of 2000 hot held a concert in beijing and once again, first K-pop artist to do so. Um, so they really kind of opened China as a potential market because nobody else had tried China before. Um, but HOT got them and was able to hold a 10,000 fan concert at the Beijing Certified Gymnasium. Wow. All right. This next piece of information is fun and funny to me. <laughs> On July 16th, 2000, H.O.T. released a movie. And the movie is called Age of Peace, OPT, which stands for Operation Takeover. Operation Takeover, thank you. Um, And it's only 27 minutes long, but this is a 3D animated movie. Um, Sex Keys, as I mentioned in our first gen episode, Sex Keys had released like an angsty teen rom-com mm-hmm. or not rom-com, just an angsty teen drama um, a few months before this. So I think this was the move that the companies were going for was like, let's put the boys in a movie. It worked for the Spice sure. Girls. I mean, <laughs> SM kept doing this shit like EXO next door. Um, like other groups have done this too. 
For sure, for sure. The whole JYP dream high. But that's like a drama. This is like a movie that goes. Oh no, no, I know, I know. But yeah, the Beatles help. Yeah, our day's night. Totally. It's a thing. Put your boy bands in movies. Um, But Age of Peace was not that because it was an absolute massive flop. It cost six million American dollars to make this movie. And according to the Korean IMDb, KMDB, the weekend it came out in Seoul, it only sold 23,000 tickets. Um, Yikes. So nobody liked this or saw it. And I saw a quote from Heejun that said, like, that they should have just spent the money on themselves. Like, <laughs> that all the money it cost, they should have just given it to the members. Because <laughs> sure. they were not getting paid. And we'll get to that later. Yeah. Um, but the premise of Age of Peace is that uh, HOT plays like roller soccer roller future dome soccer against sure. some robots because Kangta's space princess girlfriend who is a member of the grace who hadn't debuted yet they have to save her by winning the soccer game or something you do. <laughs> um i found a trailer for it but it was like really weird and it skipped a lot and it was really hard to watch but the music video which is in the playlist does have some footage from this nightmare and it looks awful oh god it looks terrible the little animated aliens look horrible in like a really bastardized sort of space jam kind of way where you have like the real kongta but then like everybody else is a tiny cartoon (laughs) Um, yeah, what a, what a disaster. Um, and there's like futuristic lasery sounds in the song itself with a bunch of like heavy rock guitar and it's just, yeah. But according to the HOT website that I got so much of this info from, the fans thought that the soundtrack was like a little hidden gem masterpiece and they defend the soundtrack very hard and the soundtrack itself sold 200,000 copies. So if the girls who were buying the soundtrack had just bought a movie ticket, I was maybe literally this wouldn't just going to say, so how come so many people bought the soundtrack, but nobody went to go see the movie? Like it's only 27 minutes long. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Maybe they like didn't get a good distribution deal and no one could watch it. Yeah, it was only playing at like one theater. Yeah. Oof. But anyway, that was HOT's attempt at making a movie. So then in September on the 29th, September 2000, they released their fifth and ultimately final album. They didn't know that at the time, but it was their final album. And it is called Outside Castle. And the first single is also called Outside Castle. My first note for this song was pop and lock to the violins, baby. I also, (laughs) I wrote like dramatic pop and locking. Um, Cause yeah, there's just like a soft string opening and then the piano is like really strong throughout the whole thing. And the first like minute of the music video is just like a fisheye lens of this big empty house where they're like popping and locking (laughs) to the string orchestra. Um, but yeah. Yeah, everyone has varied, I noted varied suburban mom haircuts for the like music video, like variations on the Kate Gosselin, I would like to talk to your manager haircut. Mm-hmm. But 
in one of the stages, which is the one I linked in the playlist, Heejun has lilac cyberpunk braids and a mask and glow. Like, it's so much. And he's wearing a skirt. Yes. So much. It's so much. Yeah. In that same stage, Woo Hyuk's flippy hair is just so flippy. Yeah. Like it's the Josie ra- and the Pussycats. The Josie and the Pussycats. I, I was literally just grade. gonna say that's the dream of the hairdo. Um, and I think it's a. Uh, um, Oh shoot! What's his name? Tony Kangta. J Wan. No, J Wan. He has like teeny tiny micro braids <laughs> yes. as well. Um, and this is the first time where we do not have the signature Kangta look of the super dark angled Victoria Beckham bob. Mm-hmm. Um, and he has blonde hair in this. Yeah. This is like the one time the Kangta mm-hmm. got kind of interesting. And his hair is shorter as well. It's not the typical. The typical Bob. Yeah. Um, But Outside Castle won nine music show trophies, but the album itself sold 879,000 copies, which is the lowest sales of any of their albums up till this point. Hmm. Um, I don't know if that was, that might've been colored by their disbandment after this. If maybe the first Mm. and second albums, like as long as a group, like you can keep buying. Yeah. You can still buy them. So Mm -hmm. maybe the lack of momentum kept this album from being purchased at the same rate. But anyway, possibly Um, theory. The second song they released off of this, uh, in October of 2000 is called a song for a lady. And this was featured on the OST of a drama called Endless Love. And whenever they performed it live, they would do it with a full orchestra and like stand there in their suits and be like, yeah. Yes. Yeah, this is a very beautiful orchestral ballad. And yeah, it's a little bit like that Vitamin C graduation song. Mm. And yeah, I just noticed in the music video that this is like another, because the music video just goes back and forth between like scenes from the drama and then like close-ups of them singing very dramatically. Um, But they, again, as in many of their songs, there's like bombs in the background of this as well. Yeah. Like, my goodness. Yeah. Always got to be saying something. Um, But the final single, and again, they didn't know this, but the final single to ever be released by H.O.T. came out the week of November 18th, 2000, and it's called We Can Do It. My first note was, it's been a minute since there was a sweet song in the mix. And they just wore jeans like regular boys. Mm -hmm. Yep, they just got to be regular boys. And sometimes they wore jerseys that had their names on them. And they were just, yeah, cute and bubbly and not screamy at all. Yeah, just doing like cute, regular boy stuff. Um, and then February 27th, 2001, this is like a date that like Club HOT held with bittersweet 
feelings in their heart for like 17 years because this was HOT's concert at Seoul Olympic Stadium again. And it had originally been planned as like a five-day event, but it got delayed because Jaywon got injured and then snow collapsed the roof of the venue they were going to have the concert in. Oh, wow. So then SM had to find a bigger venue to accommodate them to to accommodate five shows worth of people who had bought tickets. So they found a new venue, but still over a thousand people showed up five days early for this concert. <gasps> oh God. Um, and we're all just hanging out there. Um, and then they had to come up with on the fly, some kind of fair seating system because people had obviously bought the exact same right. seats. And so they had to come up with a way to get everyone in this stadium without causing a riot. Oh man. So it was like what a, a disaster. <laughs> so it was like a disaster to get it going, but also at the time there had been so many rumblings in the press and like blind items and whatever like HOT's going to break up, HOT's mm. going to break up. So the fans were already like worked up, right? Um and so at this concert, Heejun tearfully promises the whole crowd that they will never disband. And as long as one of you exists, we will be here forever. And they all cried and they said, yes, he Junopa, you know. And he promised them. And they were all high on it. Oh, he Jun. I know. He says now Always that is hard. one of his biggest. He says now it was one of his biggest regrets. And he thought about it every single day. But they, oh. but they also said they didn't know. As from mm-hmm. their perspective, that was entirely true. Sure. He had no reason to think that would be a lie. Yeah. Um, so in April of 2001, they release a live album called H.O.T. Forever. Because I forgot to mention the name of this concert was H.O.T. Forever. Which mean sounds like ironic, a goodbye concert. Right? Yeah. Um, this was, again, a two-disc album. And it was recorded at that final concert. Um, but then May 13th, 2001, a press conference is held and it is announced that only Kangta and Heejun are going to stay at SM and the other three members are going to be leaving the company. Um, and as we've said on the show a couple of times, because it was a big moment in K-pop, Club IJOT went batshit insane and started Absolute smashing bananas. things. <laughs> Like, literally broke all the windows in the front of the SM building and were, like, blocking traffic to be like, no! Like, they went bonkers. Their group ended. Is this the time when they destroyed that one person's car and then they realized, like, they destroyed the wrong person's car? That might have been about Super Junior. That might have been about Super Junior. Still SM. But still Something in the SM water stirs up their fans. They brainwash us really good. The subliminal messaging in there. Um, In their masters. But an interesting thing that the HOT members have said since is that they obviously have a lot of regrets about this, but that they were in a really weird place because they were like barely 20 years old. They didn't have like anyone on their side they had Mm -hmm. no sunbays to talk to they had absolutely nobody to say what do i do now because they were the first ones yeah there's no precedent Um, 
they thought that they like were smart enough to handle their own careers, but they didn't know anything because they were babies. And like, I don't know, they all just have a lot of regrets about this and like wish that it had gone different. But like, they really were in such a weird place where like, I don't know, there wasn't, it was unheard, like them existing was new. So who would know what would Mm -hmm. happen if they tried to keep going or like, yeah, it was just like a weird thing. But the main reason that the other three left and we talked about this a little bit in our recent um, 2001 episode is that the three who left alleged that they had only been paid like a fraction of a cent for every album that they ever mm-hmm. sold um, and that they felt entitled to way more of that money because they had done everything and worked their sure. asses off um, and SM sued the shit out of them for like talking about it. And like it was a big messy mess. Yeah. Um, and Kongta and Hee got to just like keep putting out solo albums and like. Um, yeah, because they stayed at SM and everybody else, everybody else left. And yeah. And they what didn't. A mess that boiled down into being. They didn't really speak to each other for like 17 years. Um, and Kongta claims that it's not because they fought but that it's because all of them are not the type to fight. And so they all just internalized all of their beef with each other instead of Mm. talking about it. And so they just didn't talk instead of having to do the hard work of working anything out. Interesting. I wonder if they've ever aired out any of their dirty laundry, but we'll talk about, uh, the eventual reunion yeah, in a minute. when we get there in the timeline. But yes, I looked into a little bit of like what these guys did after HOT. Because like you said, when they disbanded, they were all still pretty young. Like they had debuted when they were in high school. So they didn't, it's not like they disbanded because they needed to enlist right away. Right. Um, so they had some time uh, in order to, they had some time where they had to figure out like, what am I going to do next? So I'm just going to go again, just like we introduced the members in age order, catch us up on the highlights of what and happened to lights. them. <laughs> oh yeah. The hi- highlights as in big news items, <laughs> not as in positives. <laughs> um, some of them are positive, but you'll see the highlights and the lowlights of everything that happened between the disbandment of HOT and uh, today. So starting with Heejun, um, after HOT, like we said, he stayed with SM after the disbandment until 2003, and he released three of his own solo albums with SM. Um, he later created his own company, which was called PS Entertainment, under which he released his fourth solo album. Um, he has a total of four albums, as well as four special albums, which are like compilations or lives or whatever. And he also has two EPs. He enlisted in 2005, and while he was in the military, he hosted the KFN Korean Army Broadcast Music Talk Show, so he had kind of like a related job in the Mm -hmm. military. Um, And especially uh, for me, I noticed, like aside from Kangta, he was the face that I recognized the most because he's been in a lot of variety shows after he came out of enlistment. Um, one of the shows he was in was called Handsome Boys of the 20th Century, which had uh, Tony from HOT, as well as Un Jiwan of Sechkis, Danny An of G.O.D., and Chun Myung-hoon of NRG. 
and they created a little like super group which they called H.O.T. Sech God R.G. And this variety show was inspired by Reply 1997 um, and they had a lot of um, like reminiscing about the their experiences and then like doing a couple of um, like games or interviews based off of like scenarios from the show. One of my favorite uh, Running Man episodes of all time has hot sesh got rg versus like tamin and kai and like it was like a new idols versus old idols yes. special and it's one of my favorite episodes of running man yeah so these guys got to do like a couple things like as a group um because of this show that they were on um in 2015 hejun signed with the group cohen stars and the following year in november of 2016 it was announced that he and soyul formerly of crayon pop were engaged they got married in february of 2017 and they had a daughter in may of that same year uh and he is the only HOT member to be married with a family and as far as I know they're still together yes and he is public enemy number one to anybody who cared about crayon pop um oh because this this ended crayon pop oh that's right Um, yes because if you do the math (laughs) they got married in February and that baby came out in May so uh she had to leave because of this baby yes and 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 crayon pop had just started getting momentum so i feel like to a lot of people he june is the devil in that story (laughs) yeah interesting how i didn't come across any of that from the hot perspective everyone's just glad at least one of them at least one of them (laughs) i totally get that perspective too because these guys my goodness they're a fucking mess y'all they let's uh they're a mess okay um woo hyuk is next uh he is one of the members who left sm and he became a member of jtl with the two others um in september of 2005 he did a solo debut his first album no more drama has collaborations with sm producer kenzie and also pang shi hyuk who composed it's raining Um, And as a soloist, he put out two studio albums in 2005 and 2006 under Sponge Entertainment. He got pretty popular in China um, and even was able to found an official Chinese fan club for himself in 2006. Um, But then he enlisted in November of 2007. And when he came out of enlistment, he put his energy toward creating his own label. So he is the CEO and founder of WH Entertainment. And he released two solo EPs under his own label um but there wasn't that much of about Wu hyuk uh since the hot days so he's kept his nose clean the only other thing i saw of his like i saw that he was like i was looking for pictures of him to look at to look at his tiny mouth (laughs) the like headlines under them were like Wu hyuk investigation Wu hyuk whatever and i was like oh no what's he under investigation for and not that long ago or in the last five years, SM tried to sue him for like using HOT mm. stuff when he's not allowed to. Oh, boo, lame. <laughs> 
Um, I will say shout out to Woo Hyuk for getting slutty in his own solos because his first album is just like his his album I believe was like R and B focused, mm-hmm. and his, the album cover is just like him with like a, a hat over his eyes and like a button up with just like abs out. <laughs> All right. Um. So he was like, I never got to take my shirt off while I was in HOT. So here we go. Yeah. All right, next up, Tony. Tony is the one who really crashed my server when I was uh, doing my research. Tony, Tony, Tony. After HOT, um, from March to November of 2013, Tony got in the news because he had a confirmed relationship with Girls' Day member Harry, who at the time was 16 years younger than him, she was 20 and he was 36. Wow. I wrote these incorrectly. Um, I wrote 30 and 26 and I was like, that's only four years. Um, she was 20 and he was 36 at the time. And uh, their relationship ended not officially because they were always busy. But let's be real. It it's because he went because to jail. He went to jail. Uh, in November of 2013, when their relationship ended, Tony was investigated for illegal online sports gambling, along with five other celebrities. There was like a very big, like bust up of a ring, yeah, Yeah, where a bunch of celebrities got in trouble for uh, not just idols, but like actors and comedians. Um, They got in trouble for gambling in different ways, Um, and he gambled supposedly 400 million won between May of 2009 and March of 2012. And he actually started gambling while he was enlisted. Yeah, I read that that was like one of the bigger parts of it too. That like yes, because supposedly he got like drawn into this online gambling game uh, while he was on leave and a few of the other celebrities that he got investigated alongside like the same thing happened to them like they all got like rolled into this whatever some shady person like drew them in when they were on leave Um, And he was sentenced to six months in prison and one year probation. Um, And as a result of this investigation, uh, in February of 2014, KBS banned all HOT songs from ever being played on any of their shows. They blocked Tony from appearing on any KBS shows. And NBC also joined in the appearance ban, um, which were in place until about 2016. So, like I mentioned, he did his enlistment, like, in that time. He Mm -hmm. was enlisted from 2008 to 2010, during which he started gambling. And then when the ban finally lifted from 2016 to 2020, he was a part of a show which is called My Ugly Duckling, and it's also sometimes translated as My Little Old Boy. Yeah. And basically, this is, like, a cast, uh, it's, like, it casts these like older stars and their moms and the older stars have like re- kind of like I live alone footage yeah. of their like daily lives. And then the moms like comment on it. Of their awful furnitureless, disgusting apartments. And some, they can't like that show is often such a nightmare. One of the guys who's like a regular cast member, like lives in like a hoarder house, like full of shit anyway. 
It's yeah, a fun show. Well, the current cast includes Jungkook from Turbo and Heechul. So that gives you an idea of like the generation of, mm-hmm. of celebrities that are on it now. Um, but Tony was on it until 2020. And on it, he, like you were just saying, like showing these like very depressing lives of former celebrities. <laughs> He, his apartment was always a mess. Like his bedroom always had like empty liquor bottles in it. And there's like one episode where he goes to the doctor and he has like failing health. Like yeah, he's his damaged liver his is like liver ruined. and he has like a cyst, uh, like some and whatever. And it's caused because of his heavy drinking and smoking. Um, and so he, but it did revitalize his career in some ways Mm -hmm. because he was on TV again. And so he started getting invited to be a part of more reality shows or more variety shows, um, and more interviews as well. So it was a bummer look into what Tony was up to, but it helped him out a little bit as Mm -hmm. well. Um, he is currently a CEO at three different companies, TN Nation Entertainment, which is an entertainment company he created himself. Um, he manages one of the former members of Click B. He had two groups, a boy group called Smash and a girl group called Awesome Baby, both of which have <laughs> since disbanded. And he unofficially managed some uh schedules for his H.O.T. Maknae Jaewon. He's also a CEO for School Looks that uh, yeah, the company uniform that, company that comes that up partners all the time. with idols and does like a music yes. video every year to show off their so new Tony's collection. Tony's a CEO there and he's also a CEO at a company called Shinex. I don't know if that's how you actually say it and it's an undergarment company. Ooh. Uh, but a fun fact on one thing that sort of pulled me into a wormhole of hilarious gossip columnists um, was that Tony is BFFs with Sechki's member Kim Jae Duck. And they became friends when they were in the army and they famously lived together for so long after the army that there are very persistent gay rumors about them. Yep. Um, they are not helped by the fact that Kim Jae Duk loves to joke around about the rumors. And I watched <laughs> this video of him <laughs> and he's on a variety show and he says that they became friends in the army because he loves to touch the people that he sleeps around. And I guess Tony liked that. And then he laughs and he says, Hyung hates it when I say things like that. Oh, boy. And the hosts pounce on him and they're like, how can you say these like, and you seriously are telling us that you guys aren't dating. He goes, no, no, don't misunderstand. We sleep in separate rooms. And the hosts are like, yeah, fucking right. Then how come you guys have matching rings? Like, isn't that a ring like that he also has? And he says, oh, gosh, like, yes, this is so funny. Like, this is a ring that like he and I are not the only ones who have it. We got matching friendship rings with five friends. And so we all have them together. Mm. It would be weird if just the two of us had them. Tee-hee-hee. <laughs> so anyway, Tony hates it when he plays it up, but J-Duck definitely yeah. plays it up. Are they together? I don't know. Is Time that the perfect premise for a fan fiction? Yes. yes. Ri- members of rival boy bands go to the army together and, and fall, fall in, in love. love. Like, shut up. Wow. <laughs> Let's write that book, shall we? (laughs) Yeah, let's write it. All right. So that catches us up to Tony. Then we get to Kangta, of course. Kangta, 
doing fine. Moral of the story, Kongta's laughing in the end. Yes. All the way to the bank. He is the only member who's still at SM today. We talked about his solo debut in our 2001 episode because he debuted with the song Polaris, which infamously has him in full drag in the music video. He has released altogether four solo studio albums and two EPs, one of which was a Chinese release. He also participated, I called these subunits, but they're not really subunits because they're not a part of HOT, but these are like other projects he was a part of. In 2003, so just a few years after HOT finished, he was in something called S parentheses Supreme with Shin Ye Song from Xinhua and Lee Ji Hoon. They released one album and one EP together as a trio. In 2006, he was a part of a group called Kangta and Van Ness, which was a collaboration with an artist called Van Ness Wu, who was a member of the Taiwanese boy band 4F, or F4, excuse me. They debuted at the Thailand MTV Asia Awards, and they only released a sing- one single and then a repackage because shortly after that, uh, Kangta enlisted in the military. Um and so he says that that's why they like never really did anything was because shortly after all of their promotions or whatever and their repackage, then he had to go yeah. to the army. So uh, in general, though, he has over 100 songwriting credits for both HOT and other SM artists. And in March of 2014, he was named the de facto creative director of SM alongside BOA, which we've definitely talked about before. Mm-hmm. Um, after his, um, or I should say after HOT disbanded and after he did his solo debut, he also started acting and there was a time where he was like acting more than he was making music mm. and his fans were like, Oh no, is he never going to sing again? <laughs> right. Um, cause he was in six dramas between 2005 and 2012 and several of them are Chinese as well. Interesting. Um, yeah, he has like a interesting, um, he had like a little blip like in China, Um, and then he came back. Um, He enlisted in April of 2008, um, and then, like I said, he continued to, um, when he got out of the army, he, like, just acted, which is why people were like, oh, is he never making music again? And then when he was, like, gonna come back with all of his music, or, like, he was finally gonna come back with something, that promotion got cut short and totally derailed because, as we covered last year, Tears of blood were shed in an incredibly scandalous yeah. dating scandal where Kangta was accused of sleeping around. Kangta must have a magic dick because these <laughs> girls were humiliating themselves publicly to be oh, like, wow. no, Kangta is cheating on you with me. No, Kangta's cheating on me with you. Like publicly, mm-hmm. publicly. It's yeah. so messy. It was so messy. It was so messy. Um, and one of the women that, like, the initial rumor that started, if you want all the details, go back to Tears our Dating Scandals episode. It's called Tears of Blood. And that's <laughs> a reference to Kangta. But, like, the initial, the thing that started it was that he had a rumor with, I think, an actress that, like, he had been in a drama with. And then she, and she was immediately like, nope, we're not dating. And then it became this, but these two other women were like, but he cheated on me. But he's definitely (laughs) dating me. So, Kanta, (laughs) keep it in your pants, man. (laughs) All right, last but not least, we have Jaywon, the maknae. 
After HOT, he tried to do some solo work. Um, he released two solo albums in uh, 2005 and 2007, but both of them had disappointing sales. Um, and he never got to release his third album because in December of 2008, he was arrested on rape charges for uh, allegedly having sexual intercourse with a woman who was too drunk to give consent. And the South Korean court differentiated between assault and sex without consent. Mm -hmm. So it wasn't assault charges, but it was non-consensual. Mm -hmm. However, the charges were dropped three hours after he was arrested um, when the accuser decided to settle out of court. Um, and he promptly enlisted and went into the military um, and so never put out whatever third album he mm -hmm. had planned to release. After he got out of the military, he put out a solo Chinese album in 2012, and that actually did really well. He was shockingly popular in China. I, re I read that at a certain online poll, he beat out Rain for wow. popularity in China. So he had a moment in 2012, uh, but it wasn't in Korea. And then in 2015, in January of 2015, uh, representatives announced that he had been diagnosed with thyroid cancer back in April of 2014 and that the HOT reunion that had been planned was postponed in order for him to undergo treatment and surgery. And when they made the announcement in 2015, he was cancer-free um, and supposedly has been to this day. That's good. Um, so yeah, um, according to reports somewhere in 2016, Lee Suman was telling people that he was trying to get HOT together for a 20th anniversary, but like you just mentioned, Jaywon had been sick and quote, mm -hmm. the members could not come to an agreement. Interesting. So that was just kind of pushed away. And then that brings us to February 15th of 2018 and the television program, infinite challenge um this is a variety show that ended shortly after this this is actually one of the last episodes of uh infinite challenge but they started doing a thing that they called totoga which is toyoir toyoir uh kaioe like saturday saturday i'm a singer is what theirs is called and it's supposed to be a parody of saturday saturday is fun which is that show that we talked about and the premise is that they would reunite groups that had broken up and then put do like a gorilla concert so they did ses they did sex geese they did turbo mm. they did all these things and then the like golden calf was can we get hot back together right um because like the turbo infinite challenge like relaunched turbo sure yeah, people like really liked those specials. They're very endearing. Um, but yeah, HOD didn't talk, so they didn't think they were going to make it happen. Um, and spoiler alert for Early Rec, I think everybody should watch these episodes. They're really fascinating and just great. But like at the beginning of the episode, they like really, they do this thing. They talk to all the members separately and they say, don't call any of the other members we want you to just think about this yourself. And if you want to come show up at the studio at this day and the beginning of the episode where they're waiting to see if anybody's going to show up is so anxiety inducing. 
And when the final member does finally show up, Tony cries really hard and it like, oh, it, it gets me good. Um, and they have to like work out their beef and then like mm-hmm. learn their dances again and like try to be H.O.T. again. And it's really touching and it's like two whole episodes and it all accumulated in a concert that was originally supposed to be held at NBC in the like music studio where they recorded that show back in the day. But that place only holds 900 people. Um, but when they put the website up to say, would you like to go to the HOT concert? 170,000 people submitted Said, applications. Yes, of course! <laughs> so then they were like, oh shit, like a lot of people want to go to this. So they moved it to a 2,500 seat theater. And again, it was still like a really intense lottery. And so many fans just went and all stood together in the parking lot and sang songs, even though they couldn't go inside. They just wanted to be like people. It was they just wanted to be there. They just, they just wanted, wanted to, to be, be close. There. And it's just really touching and everybody all this like 17 years later, like remembering their youth and remembering the good times and like reliving this special moment. And it's really, really touching. It's really touching and it's good to watch because they're all older and like a little more practiced and they honestly like sound better than they did back in the day doing some of the songs and stuff. Yeah, so like they do. They do sound better. And they I mean they sound good and they like totally pick up the choreography again and they're like still having a lot of fun on the stage and the the actual performance uh, yeah, they're like very touching and endearing because everyone is crying. Everyone, everyone is in crying. that stage <laughs> is crying and they all are there in their ponchos and they like can't believe it and they have their they all have their balloons. The hosts in the background are watching it like with their perfect HOT wigs and one of the hosts immediately tears in his eyes from the beginning and like is misty for the entire thing. Everybody's feeling it. Um, And it was, it's like very, um, what's the word? Satisfying. It's like just so satisfying to watch um, because yeah, they had a tough time. Like they were definitely overworked and they were setting the precedent for the way the industry worked so they didn't have any examples like you said to help them navigate what to do after their group ended because now like you know we talk about groups disbanding all the time and that can spell such a completely different fate for somebody today Mm -hmm. um, than it did for these guys who really didn't have a lot of guidance in coming and figuring out how to navigate the music industry. And some of them had a pretty tough time after their, uh, after their group disbanded. So to have them all come together on this infinite challenge and then like do well and get along and like all be willing to like be in it together is very, just very touching. Yeah, it's just nice. It's nice. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's the last official HOT thing that we have, but I guess we can probably infer that because of that, maybe they all have a group chat now and are talking again. You know, I hope so. (laughs) I hope so. Yeah. Um, So there you go, guys. That is the story of H.O.T. And to ceremoniously end this, 
we will take a look at the music video for We Are the Future, and it's going to be wild. All righty. Um, so if you would like to watch this with us, it is pretty much a sight, but we'll describe it to you. Um, press play when I say go. H-O-T, We Are the Future, 1997. Three, two, one, go. All right, we got All a right, title card. Very blue, blue filter. Filter. Girl on everything. a roof. Uh oh. Oh shit. Oh shit. She's and jumping. She jumps, but freeze. freeze. Now we're gonna pull back <laughs> away from her, and she's frozen over the edge. And here comes the kick dance. This kick and these silky jammas. Look at their silky jammas. Stop, teacher. This teacher is throwing something at the student, but it freezes like the Matrix before it hits him. And here they are in their white. Oh my God, the jumpy. Kickies. <laughs> Kicky jumps. I love that move. It the looks like a ski. Yes, it's so fun. Speed skater. Big That's blade arms. Yeah. Six, At first, five, I thought that they four, were three, wearing two, like TLC pajamas, but they're suit pajamas. Yes. Oh, look at this hair. These highlights. Oh, and that lavender eyeshadow. Yes. And the ice blue contacts. <laughs> yes. There's so many. I think this is the music video where there's just like the like craziest ring light in Conta's eyes. But that might have been in a couple of them. Yeah, like, oh yeah, I wrote strings. down that this had been one of the first times they started wearing all those kinds of makeup. Ah, uh, okay. Because, yeah, we have, like, not just a dramatic smoky eye, but, like, he has, like, this lilac color. Somebody else has, like, one eye is yellow and one eye is green. The dramatic leans moves. to the ground. Yes, they love <laughs> the dramatic leans to the ground. future so much yelling so much yelling um but yes if we haven't described it in between they're in this you know, lavender round box in their suit jammas but then it keeps cutting to this grainy blue filtered like footage of like a guy robbing a convenience store mm -hmm. and a teacher like abusing his students and a bully. And like somebody beating somebody up in the... Oh, here's the pop and lock break. Yep. Um, this is uh, the tube dance. He yes. This is called the tube dance. <laughs> yeah, where you like make your body like fit into a tube. Oop. Oh, wow. They're pointing so hard. So many... It's all about the knees... And the kicks. Those outfits do look really comfy, though. They do look comfortable. Okay, so, like, this is the part where we were getting until I was trying to figure out what this music video is saying. Because while everyone is frozen, they, like, look above them. And that girl who jumped off the building is, like, hovering above them. And I don't, I don't understand. Oh, slide down to the floor. Mm. Because this kid sees getting beat up by the bullies, and he's going to grab this glass. But yeah. he shouldn't stab them back. I think that's the wrong choice. Because mm. <laughs> it free Stop! Yeah, and it says stop. 
Because you're just supposed to stop the violence altogether. Maybe that's why they froze the girl, too. Oh, right. Violence against yourself is violence. It's a bad choice. Oh, look, because he puts the glass down. And then now they see the girl. Ice cream truck twinkle. We don't know. I don't know. Wow. We don't know. Wow. Well, wow, that was a journey. A two-hour journey. <laughs> it sure was. But it was a necessary one. Because Absolutely. without HOT, we wouldn't have any of the boy groups that we know and love today. And you and I are boy group stands. Yeah. We had to. We so had we to owe know. a lot to them. We sure do. Um, This is the point in the show where we do a weekly recommendation. Um, And I already... I have two... Like I mentioned before, I think the HOT Infinite Challenge Reunion special is absolutely worth watching if you have two and a half hours to spare. It is episodes 557 and 558 of Infinite Challenge, um, and it's just really touching and entertaining and tense and joyful and nostalgic and all the things, and I think it's worth a watch. Um, just to sort of see like what happens when a group doesn't talk for 17 years and then tries to get back together. It's very fascinating. Um, and then my other recommendation, which is a much less time commitment, is specifically the SM Town Live World Tour 6 in Japan 2015 Ending Hope video. Every single person at SM Entertainment looked so hot in 2015. It's unbelievable. It's even like Kongta looks foin in this video. You know, ungodly. Oh, you know. All of Shiny cut their tank, their shirts. To their pants yes. so that it's just because 2015 is is view era shiny aka peak beauty shiny guns out exo has their cocoa pop hair so we have blonde we have cotton candy chanyol oh we have red candy. red summer red velvet cut their little tanks we got red hair joy everyone like i'm just not kidding Everybody looks so good, and they sing this cute little hope song, and they look so beautiful. And I just want everyone to watch it and appreciate the beauty that is the cast at SM Entertainment. That's all. Agreed. That's my recommendation. A good one. I second it. I second that recommendation. Great. All right. Well, that is it. That was a long one. Thank you for sticking through it, but it was important. And now we all know more about the beginnings of this world that we love so much. Um, All righty. If you would like to tell us about how you felt about this episode or tell us anything at all, we can be found at AMA K-Pop Pod on Twitter and Instagram, AMA K-Pop Pod at gmail.com for emails, 181-AMA-K-POP-5 for voicemails, PO Box 26096, Los Angeles, California, 90026 for letters and packages and joy. Um, our link tree that is linked in all of those bios will take you to our Discord, to our Spotify, to our YouTube, to our 
all of our things we have keep an eye on that link tree there will be exciting things showing up there next week i don't know pay attention mm. um we also have a patreon patreon.com slash pod. i just posted a patreon episode today we workshopped a possible um parlor game did it go and my well? brain hated it maybe not <laughs> But it's pretty entertaining, a little half an hour, if you want to see what we're like um, when we're just trying to make the show. Um, And all kinds of other bonus content available on Patreon. That's it. Thank you. You guys are great. And we'll see you next week. Goodbye. Goodbye. Jonghyun, your inspiration.